The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Oh, check this out. Check it out. You can bring the intro down. Listen to this. It is a middle ground between light and shine. Bring it up more. Between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of man's Remember this? Everybody remember this? That's, a, that's not knowledge. loud enough. This that's is so the dimension quiet. of imagination. Remember that? It is an area which we call... The twilight. Yeah, the twilight zone. Okay, we'll work on that. You got to find a nice loud one, and then we might just do that as the permanent intro to the show. Welcome back. It is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show, thestevenobleshow.com. Here you go. Let me read this message. Uh, I'm just looking at this message on my phone. Uh, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight and Z, as in zebra, and and Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, and now we got all all, um, a bold, bold type here, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Ooh, doesn't that sound ominous, threatening? So who is the son and who is the father? It's not Anakin and Luke. This is Hunter Biden on his WhatsApp, which is like a texting app, right? WhatsApp texting this gentleman in China who's a member of the Chinese Communist Party. That and and if and if this is true and Hunter's sitting next to the big guy, then Joe Biden's claims back during the election that he had no discussions whatsoever with Hunter about his foreign business dealings is a joke, right? So is this, could this be some kind of a smoking gun that we've all been waiting for in one way or another since, I don't know, Bill Clinton became the president? I, I, it, it's, we don't know yet, but things are getting interesting quickly. So let me go to this, the Washington Examiner. Uh, This story came out yesterday because some of these things were just revealed yesterday. So this story came out actually today. In the Hunter Biden case, a WhatsApp smoking gun? That's the question. The White House and Democrats in Washington hope that Tuesday's announcement of a plea bargain and the Hunter Biden investigation will mark the end of questions surrounding what Republicans call the Biden family business. Apparently they were 
Wrong. On Thursday, House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Jason Smith held a news conference to release the transcripts of interviews with two IRS officials who have become whistleblowers about the Hunter Biden matter. The short version is that the two officials, both very experienced, both with detailed firsthand knowledge of the Biden case, alleged that the Justice Department made a string of decisions that had the effect of benefiting the subject of the investigation, which would be Hunter. From whistleblower number one, Gary Shapley, quote, I am alleging with evidence that the DOJ, Department of Justice, provided preferential treatment, slow walked the investigation and did nothing to avoid obvious conflicts of interest in this investigation. This is into Hunter Biden's tax stop. There's a lot to discuss, the article says. For the purpose of this newsletter, let's look at one piece of new evidence that was released. It's a WhatsApp message from July 30th, 2017, that Shapley says the IRS discovered not on Hunter Biden's laptop, but during the execution of a warrant to search iCloud records. In it, Hunter Biden was speaking to a man named Henry Zhao, a Chinese businessman involved in Biden's shady dealings in China, and also reportedly an official in the Chinese Communist Party. Hmm. The plot thickens. It appears uh, it was about a payment. Hunter Biden wanted something from Zhao, Zhao, however he says it. It appears it was a payment of some sort, and he wanted it immediately. Right? That's why he said, I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. So pretty strong indication here that they're up to something. Shapley said the IRS team discovered the message in August of 2020. Even for people who question the authenticity of the Hunter Biden laptop, and we now know the FBI had verified its authenticity in December of 2019, the WhatsApp message was worth investigating. Quote, in August 2020, we got the results back from an iCloud search warrant. Shapley said, unlike the laptop, these came to the investigative team from a third-party record keeper and included a set of messages. The messages included material we clearly needed to follow up on. You think? No kidding. The July 30th, 2017 WhatsApp message was the clearest evidence ever that Joe Biden, then the former vice president, knew about his son's business dealings. Now, maybe Hunter Biden was lying in the message. Maybe his father wasn't in the room. Maybe there's some other explanation. What was clear was that the WhatsApp message was evidence that needed to be investigated. But Shapley and other IS investigators soon ran into a brick wall at the Justice Department. <clears throat> Does this stink? To high heaven or what? The IRS team wanted to execute a search warrant at the guest house in Joe Biden's house in Delaware, where Hunter was staying at the time of the message. In discussions with the Justice Department, they were told that there was more than enough probable cause to get a warrant, but that quote-unquote optics were a problem. No kidding. A Justice Department official told them in Shapley's words that a lot of evidence in our investigation would be found in the guest house of former Vice President Biden, but said there is no way we will get that approved. Uh, I wonder why. <laughs> this was September 2020. Remember, that was just two months before the presidential election. The Justice Department could prudently decide not to get a warrant for a physical search at a major party candidate's house so shortly before voting. On the other hand, the election came and went. But according to the whistleblowers, the Biden Justice Department frustrated their efforts right and left. So there's going to be more there. How did they figure out, by the way, whether Hunter, when he sent that WhatsApp message, was actually at Joe's house? How'd they do that? Well, that's where you're going to have to go to the Washington Free Beacon. <laughs> they did what we used to call some investigative journalism. 
So there's a lot more here. Could it actually go somewhere? Could it actually be the off-ramp for Joe Biden, for the Democrat Party to get him out of the election since he's losing his mind? We'll be right back. Could all this Hunter Biden stuff, plus his dad, could it actually go somewhere? I have a hard time believing that it could just because I'm so jaded after all these years of seeing obvious uh, injustice going on and cover ups and abuse of power and the, the weaponization of the entire Department of Justice. And uh, so even though this stuff's coming out, I'm in, in this was wild today. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Pierre, whatever her name is, the White House press secretary. Uh, she was getting dogged. But I listened to a clip earlier today on the on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show where there was like four or five reporters kept coming at her about things she said in the past about uh, Joe Biden didn't know and he didn't have any conversations with Hunter about his foreign business dealings. And she's trying to punt the whole time. And they kept coming back at her. Uh, I haven't seen that in the White House press corps since the whole time Biden's been in office because they're so left. They just protect their own. Right. So but to see that today was really interesting. And so this in this message in WhatsApp that uh, Hunter sent to a member of the Chinese Communist Party is somebody he's doing business with Henry Zhao, a Chinese businessman involved in Biden's shady dealings in China. When he said, I'm sitting here with my father and we'd like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled, meaning, you know, where's my cash? Show me the money, Jerry Maguire, Hunter Biden style and. But how do we know? Like he was, you know, he's kind of a crackhead, kind of a total messed up dude, which is sad. But how do you know? How do you know that Hunter Biden was actually telling the truth in this WhatsApp message to the Chinese Communist Party member? How do you know? Uh, So here is uh, at the New York Post, a declarative title to this article. Hunter Biden was at Joe's Delaware home the same day he used his dad as leverage in the China business text. Laptop photos reveal. This is so funny. Uh, so they they went to the Hunter Biden. There's a website now that's got all the Hunter Biden laptop pictures on it. Okay. And so they went there and started looking at the pictures that were time stamped. And guess what? Hunter posed in four pictures with a pair of female family members in Joe Biden's 1967 Corvette Stingray on the evening of Sunday, July 30th, 2017, according to metadata obtained by conservative nonprofit group Marco Polo and first reported by the Washington Free Beacon. Hours before, Hunter sent a threatening WhatsApp message to Harvest Fund Management Director Henry Zhao saying he was sitting here with my father and he would like and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Uh, Where's my cash? Show me the money. Where's my cash? Give me my stinking cash. And so (laughs) now they know for a fact that Hunter was there with his dad. Same property. Same time, same bat channel. And he was there the same day that he sent the message. Hmm. So this puts a little heat on Joe Biden's claim that he never had any discussions with his son about his foreign business dealings. Interesting, isn't it? Could this possibly go somewhere? 
Uh, in this article, IRS supervisory agent Gary Shapley, one of the whistleblowers, revealed the WhatsApp exchange to the House Ways and, uh, Ways and Means Committee last month, and it was made public just yesterday. Zhao, a Chinese Communist Party official, ended up paying $100,000 to Hunter's firm, Owasco PC, Shapley and a second anonymous IRS investigator, told the House panel. The message in the photos cast fresh doubt upon President Biden's repeated claims that he never spoke with his son about his overseas business dealings, which is uh, becoming a pretty big stinking lie, right? Pretty obvious. The White House did not respond to a request for comment on the president's whereabouts on July 30th, 2017. Why would they? Hunter's relationship with Zhao dates back to May of 2014 when his father was still Barack Obama's number two, thus making him the big guy, right? The Chinese associate expressed interest that month in launching a company with Rosemont Seneca, the first son's investment firm. According to laptop emails, the IRS whistleblower said the Justice Department denied their request to look further into Hunter's tax or obtain their location data, with some federal prosecutors suggesting that the first son may have been lying about his father being present. Uh-huh. Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who led the Hunter Biden probe, also told Shapley during an October 2022 meeting that he, quote, was not the deciding person in whether charges are filed, unquote, against the first son, according to a memo drafted by the IRS investigator afterward. The memo contradicts sworn testimony from Attorney General Merrick Garland that the prosecutor has been given full authority. <laughs> right. This, this, there's, this is, there's so much corruption here. And this is just the Biden crime family, right, at it for the last 50 years, assuming they would never get caught. This was the Wall Street Journal's editorial board about this. Like they, could, they don't do this lightly. We've heard enough whistleblower tales over the years to be skeptical about claims that can be exploited by partisans, which is one reason we've been cautious about reporting the secondhand accounts about the IRS investigators from House Republicans. We wanted to see specific claims from specific individuals, and on Thursday, we did. Our Kimberly Strassel recounts in a different article uh, some of the highlights from the testimony nearby. The details are shocking, if true, because they charge political interference and favorable prosecutorial treatment in the IRS probe of Hunter Biden. President Biden's son agreed to a deal this week to plead guilty to two major minor counts of failing to make proper tax payments. But Agent Gary Shapley claims his IRS unit recommended more serious felony charges. Felony, right? Uh, Based partly on what he described as a scheme to hide payments from Burisma the Ukrainian energy company that hired Hunter as a consultant, no experience whatsoever, and board member. Mr. Shapley claims U.S. Attorney David Weiss was blocked from pursuing those charges, which the Justice Department denies. Mr. Shapley also recounts that his team obtained a July 30, 2017 WhatsApp message, here we go again, that Hunter Biden sent to Henry Zhao, a Chinese businessman and member of the Communist Party, I would add. The testimony says Hunter wrote what I, you know, I shared that with you. If this is true... Then Hunter was threatening a foreign business partner with retribution from Joe Biden, who was the former American vice president and potential future presidential candidate. There's much more in the hundreds of pages of testimony. It's important to stress that these are allegations, but the press won't help public understanding by ignoring them. The testimony is already rocketing around the Internet, and Democrats counting on Mr. Biden in 2024 would be wise to pay attention. Ho, ho, ho. The plot thickens. So remember, uh, I think there has to be a very real effort on the part of the Democrat Party to somehow, by hook or by crook, by crime or by uh, 
old age, somehow, I think there's a decent chance that somehow they got to get they got to get old Joe out of the picture. And so, how do you do that? When they have been covering for Hunter, but now because of those wascally Republicans, that stuff's starting to come out. So maybe the temperature to some degree will get to the point here in the near future where it's just untenable, thereby providing an opportunity for Joe to bow out. Or the health thing, right? I don't see the health thing happening because they hit him in a basement and he got elected the last time. And in their hubris, I think they probably assume they can do the same thing, especially if it's Trump. So we'll, we'll see. But this could get so hot and heavy that they go, oh, you know, for the sake of my family, blah, 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 blah. I need to resign. Or do they impeach him for it? Lauren Boebert's going to be offering up articles of impeachment like once a week. So we'll see. It's the Twilight Zone. Anything's possible. We'll be right back. Good Friday afternoon tunage right there. Okay, let's stay on the national level, then we'll go to a big story here in North Carolina. If I if I say Randy Weingarten, do you know who I'm talking about? Randy Weingarten, one of the most uh, uh, powerful people in the world of academics, uh, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, the president, uh, who's, who's a total wackadoodle, and... Uh, liberal, uh, just beyond belief, progressive beyond belief. She's, she wanted to shut everything down and just, uh, just all, she was all wacky during the, the COVID nightmare. So when I saw this one, I'm like, what? Come on. It's, surely this is the Babylon Bee. But it isn't. It's in the National Review. Randy Weingarten appointed <laughs> appointed to the Department of Homeland Security School Safety Advisory Council. Now, do you remember, my friend, when the FBI put out a little notice about these crazy, nasty, almost exclusively conservative parents going to school board meetings who were essentially like domestic terrorists? Remember that? And uh, we find out later that the American Federation of Teachers vis-a-vis Randy Weingarten were involved in those conversations with the White House and the Department of Justice, which is completely corrupt. I think... You know, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the top is completely corrupt. It's like the whole top of the cake is terrible. Take it all off. <clears throat> and I'm sure there's lots of good men and women working in the Department of Justice in the middle and low end of it. But at the top, it's completely given over. Completely. Just clear the whole deck. Just get rid of everything. It's like you're going to grab a golf bag. We got to take out everything in the golf bag. Like, I don't know, uh, five iron and, and higher. Get the five, the four, the three wood, the five wood, the driver. Get all that out of there. You got to take the top right out of the Department of Justice. But this is so this is Randy Weingarten. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten was appointed Monday of this week to a new Department of Homeland Security School Safety Advisory Council tasked with making recommendations on, quote unquote, emergency management, quote, uh, uh, also, uh, preparedness measures and safety and security in schools. What a joke. Weingarten rose to prominence during the COVID pandemic as one of the chief advocates of school closures. 
The A- AFT, the nation's second largest teachers union, pushed the CDC to delay opening schools well after most other developed nations has, had returned children to the classroom, emails obtained by American for Public Trust revealed. In the fall of 2020, Weingarten denounced calls to reopen schools as reckless, callous, and cruel. Right. To your teachers, because they had to get back into the classroom. But it, it was completely uh, abusive of children. She doesn't care about children. They don't care about people. They care about power and themselves, okay? So even though she's the head of the teachers' union, she doesn't really care about pupils. Just remember that. That's basically true for liberals. An AFT affiliate in Chicago similarly condemned then-Mayor Lori Lightfoot in 2022, who called her efforts to reopen schools rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Of course. You want to get kids back into the classroom, you're obviously a racist and a sexist and a misogynist. Of course. Uh, Representative Ben Klein from Virginia condemned the announcement, quote, Randy Weingarten chose appeasing teacher unions over getting students back in the classroom during the pandemic. Now, math and reading scores for the nation's 13 year olds are at the worst decline in decades, which is true. Why is DHS rewarding bad policy? The Freedom Caucus member wrote on Twitter. Senator Rick Scott from Florida similarly vented his frustration with the appointment. Weingarten, quote, is the last person who should be advising anyone on school safety, he wrote. I agree. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced Weingarten was among the 20 new members appointed to the 30-person council on Monday afternoon of just a little leaven. Ruins a whole loaf, right? Quote, leaders of our academic institutions and campus life have a great deal to offer in helping us counter the evolving and emerging threats to the homeland, like conservative parents. (laughs) Randy's right in there on that. You conserved, especially you Bible-thumping parents that get upset about us indoctrinating your third grader into gender uh, ideation, uh, gender uh, transition, uh, gender-affirming health care. It's kind of the same language as killing babies. Uh, That's them. And so that's what they think of you. You're the problem. You're the problem. You're the threat. You're a national security threat, as a matter of fact. But they care about the kids. Uh, Sure you do. You don't care what happens to them in the womb, and you don't really care what happens to them in the classroom. Either way, right? So what a joke. That just shows you, once again, how given over this federal government is in the executive branch. Really amazing. Horrifying, really. Okay, North Carolina politics. Sunday night, I got a, I got a text message from a very a well-connected friend that said, Tim Moore is done, Tim Moore being the speak, Speaker of the North Carolina House. And then on Monday, the news broke that he was being sued by the husband of a woman that he had uh, an, an affair with, apparently. And uh, in, in, so in North Carolina, that's called an alienation of affection lawsuit. So Uh, The husband suing Tim Moore, saying that he basically stole and cajoled and tricked and maneuvered uh, his uh, wife into this affair. And he used his power uh, to do it and to keep her there, okay, to keep her engaged in their illicit activities. So uh, that's a big deal. He's uh, Tim Moore, arguably the most powerful Republican in North Carolina in terms of state politics. So then Tim Moore, who's no idiot when it comes to playing these games, uh, did an interview at the News and Observer, okay? A lot, uh, so Moore said he had an on-again, off-again relationship with Jamie Lyles Lassiter starting in 2019 and that it has since ended. 
The Republican speaker, who's divorced, said he will vigorously defend and stand up for myself and also look at the countersuits that we have. Moore denies using his influence in exchange for sexual favors from Lyles Lassiter or anyone else. He's being sued by Scott Riley Lassiter, a former Apex town council member. Apex is just outside of Raleigh. For alienation of affection, Scott Lassiter said his marriage is ending because his wife had an extramarital affair with Moore for more than three years. The lawsuit also accuses Moore of using his position as House Speaker to pursue the sexual relationship with Lyles Lassiter, who is a state government employee and executive director of the North Carolina Conference of Clerks of Superior Court, a position funded by the General Assembly. Among the allegations are that Moore, quote, convinced Mrs. Lassiter to engage in degrading sexual acts with him, including group sexual activity with others over whom he had power or influence. That's wacky. Crazy. Moore said he didn't want to share too many details because of the lawsuit, but confirmed a relationship from 2019 until December of 2022, describing it as what I would say an on again, off again, very casual, nothing consistent type of relationship. And of course, all that time fully understood that she was separated. The plot thickens, right? Moore said that Lyle's Lassiter told him she was separated and that they didn't really get into the details of how she left her husband. The lawsuit also claims that Moore admitted the relationship to Scott Lassiter at a Biscuitville restaurant in Raleigh the day after Christmas. I mean, is this a like a romance novel? What is while also asking him if there was anything he could do for him as a political favor. Moore told the NNO that he did meet with Scott Lassiter at Biscuitville on December 26th for breakfast after Lassiter asked to meet him. Moore said he picked the public location for the conversation that happened over breakfast. Quote, what I wanted to do was try to clear the air, make sure he understood where I was, Moore said, and certainly apologize if indeed it was his assertion, but I was very consistent. I always understood that they were separated and was shocked about this situation. Through a lawyer, Lyle's Lassiter, the wife, uh, said in a previous statement to the NNO that the lawsuit was outrageous and defamatory and that Lassiter's claims in the lawsuit are not only false but impossible as we've been separated with a signed separation document for years, meaning she and her husband. To be clear, I'm a strong professional woman and the only person who has ever abused me or threatened my career was my soon-to-be ex-husband. Our marriage was a nightmare and since I left him it has gotten worse. We are reaching the end of our divorce process and this is how he's lashing out. Miles Lassiter said. So uh, we'll see, right? This is really messy. And that just kind of goes with the territory, I I guess, with somebody as powerful as Tim Moore. And uh, he made some other interesting comments to the News and Observer, like he's going to have to kind of be a little more thoughtful about people he's talking to and who he spends time with. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. He did say that being sued over these allegations means he'll, quote, certainly reassess a lot of things. And there's no question about that. But at the end of the day, I know I didn't do anything wrong from a legal standpoint that I believed fully that she was separated. So there you go. A little hot and heavy North Carolina politics. And uh, but in this world, in this political climate on Sundays, like this guy's toast. And by Friday, hmm, hold the presses. Maybe not so much. The the lesson, I think, certainly for me and and probably for you, uh, with respect to these types of news articles, just like the Hunter Biden stuff, as things come out, it's salacious, it's interesting, it trips your trigger, you get excited about it, or you get mad about it. And that's the point. That's the point of every media company on the face of the planet, is to get you and keep you, to manipulate you, to sell you. So be careful. 
I talk to my students about this all the time, my noble youth students. You're always being sold. You're always being manipulated. Be careful. Be aware of your own emotions. Be aware of your own bias. Be aware. Be discerning. Be wise. It's crazy out there. We'll be right back with David. A little Money Monday update on a Friday. Don't go Welcome back. It's the Steve Noble Show. It's great to be with you. We're going to do a little curveball, a little Money Monday update on a Friday with our good friend David Fisher. As you know, I was out of town for a few days and uh, just worked out and we didn't want to not pay attention. That's why we talk about this every week uh, with David Fisher from Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com, as always, because the scriptures talk a lot about money and possessions, and that's why it has a regular place here on the show. David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, my brother. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Great to have you back on. Uh, very interesting passage of Scripture we'll start with here today. Uh, so I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to see where you want to go with this. Genesis 3, 9 and 10. We'll start there. It says, But the Lord God called the man, Where are you? He answers, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Ironically, just 10 scriptures before this is in chapter 2, Adam and his wife were both naked, but then they felt no shame. So why the difference? Same word. Let's substitute naked for transparency. How about that? Let me use a personal example. At age 16, when I got born again, my relationship was brand new with the Lord then. Yet I'm 61 now, and it's progressed significantly. And I can honestly say I have such a deeper trust and a deeper understanding about the commitment God has for to me. Therefore, my commitment is probably stronger today than it was at age 16. And the same goes for my marriage 23 years ago to Marianne, even though we were massively in love, we knew that God called us to be together, and he made that really clear. Our commitment towards each other today and the depthness of our relationship is much greater. But I want to ask the believers that are hearing my voice today, if you were transparent or naked before the Lord, would you hide or would you have no shame? And that's the challenge as we grow in the Lord, that we have a fuller understanding, fuller commitment, fuller transparency, and fuller acceptance of we being his sons and his daughters. And therefore, we don't want to sin. We don't want to do the wrong thing. We want to be his witness. We want to be his mouthpiece, his light and salt of the earth. Yep, and that's a great challenge for all of us, especially myself. Is there anything that would cause us to want to hide? And, and that's an easy question to answer. And therein lies the thing that you need to pray for and seek victory over uh, yep. in your life and in mine. What a great uh, application of that. As always, David, thank you so much for starting us there. Uh, from that to another thing that's a, a real eye-opener, commercial real estate. We talked about this earlier this year, and, and you quoted all the way back in April. Uh, commercial real estate markets would cause a banking crisis because of the trouble there. I've mentioned like the occupancy rates in San Francisco and big cities. Uh, this is a big deal. So what's what's going on there? Is there any more news on that one? Well, this is kind of like the wanting to hide the shame. <laughs> They're in trouble. Uh, commercial real estate, I said, quoted Morgan Stanley back in April 6th. 
that they could tumble real estate prices, that is, in, real, in commercial real estate, could tumble 40% because of the loans. Let's give an update. Morgan Stanley, same entity, is now saying, same analyst, forecasting something worse than what they forecasted in April. In fact, they're forecasting, Steve, unfortunately, that this downfall is going to be worse than the commercial real estate downfall in 2008, which was a huge one. Oof. The, the, they're saying regional banks are scrambling now to unload commercial real estate oh loans boy. because they're fearing this crisis. The numbers are, Fitch says, one-third of commercial mortgages this year will be unable to be refinanced. That's a big number. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah. According to a New York University Columbia Business School, they're saying commercial real estate vacancy you know, has fallen 50%. And Bank of America says 68% of these commercial real estate loans are held at the regional banks, and 21%, J.P. Morgan says, they're going to default, which means a severe domino effect. We will have more bank failures. I hate to bear the bad news. More bank failures... And the guy who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the famous real estate guy, Robert Kiyosaki, he is saying more banks are about to fail. Rumors mortgage giant Loan Depot is on the ropes. Regional banks and mortgage companies are falling. Be careful. This is his quote. I would not believe anything President Biden, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell, or Secretary Yellen is saying. Think for yourself. And at the end, he says, I advise you to buy more gold and silver. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, there you go on the opposite end of the teeter totter, as we often talk about. Yeah, that's really scary and uh, eye opening, to say the least. Well, since you brought up uh, Biden and the Fed, they were talking about the Biden administration obviously passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just funny. Like cue the punchline. I mean, that's so ridiculous, which has a huge funding. The IRS adding as many as uh, 87,000 new agents. And we, of course, none of it, none, nobody in this audience is excited about that. But but what are the ramifications of all this? Because the Republicans are acting like, oh, we're going to cut into that. Uh, but I don't think they really accomplished much. So where are we at with that whole Inflation Reduction Act with respect to the IRS? So specifically, I'm quoting from the Epoch Times, June 19th. This is a true story. Unfortunately, I hope it's the only one, but I'm sharing it so that we all can get our eyes open. This is a result of what was passed. There was an incident that occurred on April 25th. An IRS agent knocked on the door using his fake ID to a taxpayer. This was in Marion, Ohio. The agent initially lied to the taxpayer. He said he was visiting regarding improper estate filings, and she owed substantial money to the IRS. Before the visit, the taxpayer didn't receive any letters in the mail. Okay? After she invited him into his home, her home, after the taxpayer showed him proof that she had all taxes paid for her real estate, the name Agent Bill Haas is his name, the fake name. He then shared the true purpose of his visit relating to, did not relate to her state, but rather allegedly she had several delinquent tax return filings. Again, she replied and showed Bill Haas, the IRS agent, that she had all her filings in order. He insisted she didn't. At that time, she calls her attorney. 
Her attorney tells the IRS agent to leave her home immediately. Wow. Here's the quote for the IRS agent. I, and he said this to her attorney, I am an IRS agent. I can be at and go into anyone's house at any time I want to be, end quote. He left the home. Before leaving, he threatens her that if she does not respond and pay the fees, he will put a lien on her home and seize her bank accounts. It goes on. She gets the license plate. She files, calls the police. She puts in a police report. Therefore, she finds that this is all fake, the identity, and the police contact the IRS agent. The IRS agent is insulted. He files a um, a report. He files a lawsuit against that police oh, station. It just goes on and on. Why am I sharing this? You have rights as taxpayers, as U.S. citizens. They have to send you letters. Be careful of scams. Be careful. And by the way, she got a letter from his boss saying within a week that this was all case, case closed. So don't give in. They're coming after our money. Stand up. Don't be rude. Don't be disrespectful. But just know what your rights are. Yeah, you got to know your rights. I talk to my students about that all the time. I put it plainly. If you don't know your rights, you don't have any. So remember that. And so that was just one agent, and they're talking about adding 87000 And they're not going after the uh, high-end uh, people, the massive net worth. They're going after regular people like you yep. and me. That's a, that's a great eye-opener that we all needed to hear. Thanks for that. What about uh, central bank digital currencies? Anything going on with that? So I'm going to write a brand-new white paper on this because i got about 200 uh, articles. Uh, but the United Nations is planning a digital ID linking to your bank accounts. They already got this done in 700 smartphones, Android phones. They have a million biometric sensor modules in payment cards, credit cards, digit, debit cards, etc. The World Economic Forum is involved in this. Swedish biometrics company Fingerprint Cards oh is a part of this. And a Chinese company, tech company, is leading the charge in this. You know where I'm going with all that. Oh, yeah. yep. Again, it's all tied in together. This is why you got to have some gold and silver outside the system. Yeah, and that's uh, the, to that last point about fundamental reasons why anybody should invest in gold and silver. Fundamentals, that's, that's the whole point. There's so much going on. That, that the government can control, big banks can control, they want control of the money, that's why they want a digital currency, they can turn its value up and down. The one thing that they can't touch is if you have gold and silver. Is that basically the point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so that's, that's the fundamental thing. Do you have any of your portfolio, any of your personal holdings outside of the mainstream? Uh, and this isn't like put everything in there, but do you have any of it outside the mainstream? And that's becoming a bigger issue all the time. So as people hear us talk about this, David, and you mentioned the new white paper coming out, which is going to be important about that subject. But but generally, how do they kind of start the process to go? All right, I've heard enough. I need to do something. How do they do that? It's it's simple. Just pick up the phone the old fashioned way. Call us on your cell phone or after work at your home. Eight four four. 604 or go to landmarkgold.com and we'll because, help you. Because what time is it in Phoenix, Arizona right now? Uh, 2 o'clock. Yeah, see, so it's 5 p.m. here. You're thinking, oh, they're closed. No, they're not. <laughs> They've got, they're open because he's in Phoenix. So just remember that 844-604-2575 or landmarkgold.com as always, David. Thank you, my brother. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. 
You too, my brother. God bless right, you. God bless you too. This is Steve Noble on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.